Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello, history friends. Zach Twomley here, bringing you something special, something different, and something quite unexpected as well. Recently, I talked to a gentleman called Ollie from a company called Immortal Games. Ollie has great plans for something called Story Games History, which essentially lets you play a game on your mobile phone where you get to make different choices depending on the era of history you're playing in. You'll get to learn about that era of history. You'll get to step into the shoes of the important people in that historical period. And you'll come away with a better appreciation for basically what was going on during that period of time. Story Games History is really exciting because it brings history to people in yet another medium. It makes it more accessible and it gives people from all walks of life a chance to learn more about these very exciting and very interesting topics, mostly focused on 19th and 20th century history, but in time there will be scope to expand this further, I'm sure. There will also be scope to expand this into matchlock and potentially have a matchlock game for mobile. But what's the format? Well, we'll get into this more in the interview. With his story games history concept, Ollie is approaching different schools and universities across Europe and is working to collaborate with them to integrate story games history into the different curriculum for those centers of learning. It's very exciting. We talk more about that as well. And we talk about the vision that Ollie has for story games history and why you should be very, very excited about it as well. Thanks so much for listening, and thanks to Ollie for coming on to When Diplomacy Fails to talk about this very exciting new concept he has. I wish him all the best, and I personally can't wait to work with him, whether it's in bringing history to new people in exciting different ways, or with Matchlock. Anyway, the next voice you hear will be Ollie's, answering the question essentially about his background and what brought him to the point where he decided to develop story games history in the first place yeah well it was a combination of a few different things so first of all i'm a serial entrepreneur with startups since i was like 22 and managed to build at least reasonably successful international distribution of a few different types of products and the second one was my first game 
which was called iDance. That's a multiplayer dance game system that was sold to schools and also to like YMCA's and fitness centers and places like that across the world. Yeah, after dealing a lot with government grants and uh, the financial crisis affecting those and things like that, I decided I wanted to look more towards, let's say, the mobile game market and uh, reaching the end, end consumer myself primarily. Uh, and I played a game with my son who's struggling with autism called Criminal Case, which is a story-driven game. The story is moved forward by you solving different puzzle challenges and things like that. It's a very popular game genre since many years. And I was thinking, okay, these stories are quite interesting, but they're not that deep. I'd really like for my son to learn more through these kind of games because he, he loves learning that way. He loves playing with me and conversing with me about what's going on. I could see that a lot of other people as well could benefit from uh, getting little deeper insights into different topics through that kind of gameplay because it's a casual game. You can move along at your own pace but at the same time you could also introduce a lot of important topics through that kind of platform so so that's what brought me to come up with the idea for story games which again is about to lead to story games history which i think is why you invited me in the first place <laughs> yes indeed it is well, talk to me a bit about your kind of interest in history, because I understand you consume an awful lot of podcasts, like I'm sure many of us do. You're obviously very interested in history, and you have this platform developing story games. Was there a moment when a kind of a light bulb moment when you kind of realized you could combine the two? Yeah, well, I don't know if it was one particular moment, but yeah, so first of all, I've been listening to history podcasts roughly two hours a day in average for the last 10 years or so. I enjoyed history at school, but I always felt like it was lacking something to really stimulate my interest. And that's one reason why I think story games history, as we're going to talk about, is so exciting. Uh, because it was just reading books, maybe watching some documentaries, learning some names and dates, but very little like you've covered on your podcast several times it's just like so few topics that you really learn much about so i always felt like there was something missing there and so when i came across history podcasts then i started just devouring them so i listened to a lot of different ones and i started listening to when diplomacy fails as late as december last year which was kind of ridiculous oh wow is I realized how late your, uh, or how early you started and how young you were, which of course also impress, impresses me. Uh, but so, so I've listened to all of your episodes already, which tells a little bit about how much I can <laughs> listen to. <laughs> and I, in the meantime, I listened to all the episodes of the 20th century podcast as well. So anyway, I'm, I'm just super interested in trying to understand history in as many ways and as nuanced ways as I can. And uh, just so grateful that all these excellent podcasters are out there, like yourself and several others that I actually met through your podcast uh, as well. During my playing with my son, I play this game and they have eight different seasons and two of the seasons are focused on history, but it's... Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like, it's not real history. It's just, it's just kind of visiting some historical periods here and there and just touching but making so many errors that it's just really irking me um so i was just thinking how about doing this in a proper way so it could fit for history education at least on a 
just on a key, on a core level, on a lot of the important historical topics that maybe most people know very little about. And it could be used by anyone who's old enough to kind of get it uh, commercially and then to focus it specifically towards as an educational tool that can be used to support teaching particularly in high school uh, that's something that i started to think about two years ago got a bit sidetracked just focusing on game features and trying to just make one commercial story work and which we're getting closer to accomplishing now we have a lot more cool features and things like that than, than we had back then but now i really feel like we've come back to the stage where yeah let's focus on actually having it as a support tool for history education and how could we get pilot projects started in several countries on the basis of some really important world history events that sounds great it sounds like you've got a, a really kind of deep vision for it like, talk us through some of the periods of history you'd really like to cover in in this kind of format. Uh, well, right now, as you know, and as depending on when this episode is coming out, it's like we're in the middle of this whole Russia and Ukraine situation, yeah, uh, which has made me feel like the very first chapter that, or story that I wanted to develop here for story games history is the Cuban Missile Crisis. <laughs> uh, yeah, be- because hey. That kind of feels familiar right now, and it's such a, yeah, such an interesting example of history that most people know very little about. I maybe heard about it in my history lessons, but we already have an idea for how that could be brought to life, where you actually play as John F. Kennedy and you are in the situation where, okay, Khrushchev has put up kind of it's an ultimatum situation, and you have to do something, and then we put the player in that situation. What do you do? You know, that's that's the idea. And then afterwards, we give you a quiz to ask you actually what happened. You know, mm. uh, so that that's kind of a one example. But I'd like to cover a lot of, especially from, let's say, English speaking words, world history standards, things that are usually not covered a lot. So, for example, the French Revolution. I didn't know almost anything through my history education. And I was interested in history in high school. Things like the U.S. War of Independence or the Civil War and topics that you have covered, the outbreak of World War I, you know, the July crisis episodes, which was was just mind-blowing. I I didn't (laughs) know about the Nicky and Willie letters uh, or telegrams. and. And the Sassanov suddenly maybe being the one who decided, no, no, let's do this thing, you know. I mean, many others were ready to step back and things like that. Who knows about that, you know, unless they listen to your podcast. And they like the attack on Pearl Harbor, which maybe is sort of known in the U.S., but a lot of different topics. I don't know if I should go through all of them here, but I've given you kind of an outline of ones that I think would be interesting. Uh, but other topics that you obviously know quite a lot about, like the Paris Conference to the Versailles Treaty, for example, which again was also like suddenly all these people seemed real to me and the Versailles Treaty wasn't so simple. And uh, that, okay, that was what led to World War II, obviously, you know. Mm. just so that I want to have high quality history but in a condensed version so that it's entertaining and you feel like you are there you identify with the people you identify with the situations and maybe you want to find out more after you have played through each of this yeah oh that sounds it sounds great and I definitely think even from 
what I've done with the podcast, there's definitely an appetite to know more about these eras, especially when we kind of dig into them a little bit and we realize that they're not as simple or black and white. Like a word I use a lot is messy, that these things are often less easy to explain as we might kind of expect. And I think a, a format like a game, like on, on the mobile, something you can pick up and play because we're just, we're stuck to our mobile phones all the time. So having something in that format that we can just access kind of very easily will be a great way to make history even more accessible. And I am all about making history more accessible, which is why I'm really excited about this. So with that being said, you talked a little bit about, say, for example, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, where you'd, you'd play as, as JFK and you kind of you kind of decide which which choice you you pick. But is there kind of scope for that for the other uh, the other topics as well? Like how how would that kind of? And now, obviously, you don't have to give me the exhaustive list of examples because we haven't talked about every single period of history you're going to be covering. But can you give us a few kind of examples of how that would be? like how, how that would show up in, in the different periods of history that the game covers? Sure. Yeah, so first of all, uh, you can imagine that on the basis of this, let's say you are in that situation uh, in the Cuban, Cuban Missile Crisis, and, and let's say you choose something else than what Kennedy really did, then we could do one of the things that a lot of the history podcasters are talking about a lot. is like, what ifs of history? So what if, as yeah. John F. Kennedy, you made another choice? You know, you basically just you just played hardball or you pulled back. And of course, we're not going to have like a long or extended version of what's happening. But then it's kind of we can come. You know, uh, whoever is the writer uh, can come up then with some alternative what ifs of history. So that I think is one interesting idea that could apply in, in a lot of cases here. I think some of the stories may be focused more on like personal stories uh, under a very intense uh, circumstance. So, for example, the attack on Pearl Harbor, it's not so obvious who you're going to play as. Like one, like JFK and the Cuban Missile Crisis is kind of, that's easy, relatively mm. speaking, right? But attack on Pearl Harbor, okay, who who do you play as? So we would find someone who you, you feel like the story is touching you and there was an important decision or a few important decisions made by that person or those two people maybe, uh, but it maybe isn't as historically important. So then we would have to, yeah, so it doesn't depend on that. It's always super important, you know, but, but yeah, so I could imagine the combination of choices where it's really about changing history potentially by making this or that decision or in other situations, it's more just about getting the person feeling the connection through the choices that they make and the consequences that choice led to. Let's say in your case, if you would think about the outbreak of World War One, what yeah. if what if something would have happened differently between uh, Nicholas and Sasanov, and Sasanov would have kind of accepted that. Nicholas thinks no, no. Let's let's make peace with cousin Willie and not uh, let's not do this. You know, like <laughs> that, that would have been an interesting one, for example. But of course, so you, I don't I, I don't know. I haven't thought through all the possibilities in all these cases, but I'm pretty sure that together with a few good historians, we can come up with some pretty interesting choices for the player and also a few interesting what ifs for each circumstance. 
Absolutely. And I love that idea. And and as someone as well who intends to work with you and, and write a lot of these things and research them as well, I think it's really exciting that we get to explore these kind of uh, these kind of what ifs, because obviously in, in, in the in the July crisis, particularly like there's so many different ways that could have gone had had like Sergei Sazanov, the Russian foreign minister, had he made like a, a better or a different decision at, at the time. And the same with the Willy Nicky telegrams, it, it seemed for a while like things were going to go a different way. And then suddenly it just good grief everything just went off the edge of the abyss so yeah i'm i'm really looking forward to uh, working with you on on topics like those and for the 30 years war as well like with a conflict that is like three decades in length and was kind of punctuated by all these different interventions by several different countries and stuff when you're looking at a conflict like that what what kind of what kind of points kind of jump out to you? Like, is, is there anything you'd really like to bring forward to people who are playing? Is is there any kind of like aspects of just to use the Thirty Years' War as an example? Is there any kind of aspects of that conflict that you'd really like to to emphasize to to drive home to people who are playing it? Like you mentioned. Um, like the kind of more personal aspects of it, putting people in the role of statesmen. But is there is there any other points you'd like to touch on with that? Well, so the Thirty Years' War for me is still, although I listened to, I don't know how many episodes from you on it, it still feels kind of fresh to me. As for example, when I've been listening to the Revolutions podcast, there are some of these revolutions that I knew absolutely nothing about when I started. Yeah or almost nothing. So even if I've listened to all the episodes a couple of times, it's like then it starts to come to life for me. But I'm not the kind of person who immediately just gets everything from listening through once. Uh, so in the 30 Years War, there are, I mean, there are obviously several very interesting characters. There are several interesting conflicts. But that's something where I would really like for you to also involve yourself and try to figure out, okay, where do we, who are the people who we really want to, work with it but obviously frederick you know freddy as you yeah. told him uh, would be a very <laughs> interesting character i mean such making such a big impact on what happened next having someone like gustavus adolphus um i mean christian the fourth like seeing them i don't know uh, but anyway I, I'm, I'm not sure about that i it's not i haven't come up with something that is clear enough to me, but maybe to just jump towards a little bit different aspect of the game, because it's a combination of what you call a choose-your-own-adventure novel, like a digital mm. novel, with cool graphics, special effects, but it's still graphics primarily. And when you read the story, although for Story Games history, we're thinking we could possibly have narr- narration by, mm. for example, yourself, you could be the narrator, yeah, uh, and maybe even do voiceover for characters, but Let's see. Anyway, but so that's that's one side of the game. It's going through that. You make certain choices. The choices will affect what happens next. And some choices are super important. Other choices are more just, okay, how do you react to this and that? And it's not so important. And then the other main aspect of the game is basically to puzzle, puzzle games where you need to, as quickly as possible, solve different types of puzzles. And we have mm. a few diff- different ones initially. At the end of each topic there will be a quiz and the quiz will function a bit like who wants to be a millionaire where you start off with a bunch of easy questions at least for people who know about the topic and then it gradually gets harder you know so and you may reach a point where you get questions that are not even in the game 
uh, not covered there that you would have to study extra about it. So it's basically made in such a way that it can be enjoyable for complete beginners and people who actually know a lot about the topic as well. So that's that's that side. Last topic would be, we, we call it a hidden object game, what we're doing now. So you basically have a, a landscape that relates to a specific event. So you can imagine a historical event like a battle or right. you have a bunch of objects that are related to that particular era and event in history where you also have to find them as quickly as possible or, uh, or you see them for a certain period of time and then they disappear and you have to find them uh, like a memory game and such things. And then you have, and I know I'm throwing a lot of features very quickly here, so sorry, uh, listeners, if this is too intense. But then the idea is to also have tech upgrades where you can upgrade certain skills as you have in a bunch of games. And then I'm thinking, for example, for the 30 years war, to bring it back to that. So let's say, okay, now you have Gustavus Adolphus is a commander. And then you can upgrade your commander and the commander can help to give you boosts inside the, the puzzle game. And then you also have Gustavus Adolphus's horse and you can upgrade that one, you know, from uh, foal to badass war horse, you know, and things like that. So, yeah, we're trying to combine all of it in such a way that you really identify and feel like you you know these people, you, you understand a little bit about this uh, period and you want to know more. That's the idea. And then we maybe have a link to some episodes, the 30 years war with when diplomacy fails that are easily accessible to the player after having played through the 30 years war chapter. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I love how you get really deep into the characters. And of course, I, I suppose I should turn that original question around to myself since I would very much obviously like to be writing and kind of researching that 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 script and it opens up a whole load of possibilities to get closer to the characters and get a feel for the kind of choices they would have had to make with all the different interventions. Yeah. Like with all the different interventions happening in the 30 years war, like there is an awful lot of potential for stepping into the shoes of like Gustavus Adolphus or Christian of Denmark or Cardinal Richelieu or that kind of thing. There's an awful lot of potential is very, very exciting. So what would be your next your next port of call if story games history is to be done through kind of historical chapters. We are cooperating with a university here called Stenden that they have branches like the mother, you can say, university is in the Netherlands. And we're doing cooperation with them on how to get story games history into uh, high schools in the Netherlands and how to get Very a pilot. Good. How to get a pilot study going on it. And when, uh, so it's throughout that process that I came up with the concept of, okay, these are the 16 chapters that I suggest for the first important core version of this game. And so the, the project organizer that I'm cooperating with, when I sent her the topics, she's like, I know so little about most of these topics, actually. You know, and she's she's a smart lady. She knows quite a lot. She's interested. She's actually quite interested in history. But that's one thing that I realized when I listened to history podcasts, like giant topics that had enormous consequences, of course. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. 
Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Yeah, really, really good. Like, talk to me a little bit about approaching uh, the, those kind of universities and schools and stuff. How has the reception been so far? What kind of, and what kind of vision do you have? Like, how do you plan on using these scholarly settings to like promote the game further so this is like there's several steps in the plan here and they're actually um, quite a lot inspired by what i used to do with the the dance game that i worked on in the past which there was a dance game where up to 32 people could play on a big screen at the same time Uh, and there were in many like in about 500 schools and leisure centers in the uk for example and the way that we managed to get into a bunch of schools in many countries is that we got some studies done, just starting in one school in Norway, a little school. And they wanted to check, oh, we want to try this for some of the students that struggle in class. And then we did a short, like oh, nine-week study where one of our people went there, helped them, facilitated it with a simple dance game. And then the results were super positive like this student suddenly became more among the more popular in class they got more fit because they were moving a lot and then we took it on to the next level we got a sports professor into the next study that led to a potential study which never unfortunately happened but in 100 schools in Norway uh, because they could see that this could really help on on the fight against youth obesity, for example, which is still a struggle right. in many places. And anyway, so so we started. So I've, I've seen how that could progress. We we were at one time in twenty eight different media on the same day in Norway because of the press conference where Reuters showed up and we had a, like ser- several seriously famous people being interviewed about our product on the <laughs> on the show. Uh, nice. So anyway, enough about that. But I just want to show kind of that I've been in this the situation before of trying to figure out how to get past like the bureaucracy and uh, and it ended up with me being a speaker at the first european youth event which was like hosted in the european parliament in strasbourg in 2014 taking inspiration from it and working together with the Stenen university we come up with a concept for first of all how the students can help us to come up with with concepts for how we can yeah. get into, we want to get the pilot study going where we have a researcher or a cutting edge history teacher 
who would basically make a survey before and after the semester. And then they would write a report along the way. And you would cover a certain amount of schools and classes in high school with this story games world history. But so these core topics uh, that we want to put a lot of effort into making as good as possible. And then uh, hopefully we will get good results. We want to do this in several countries, but we, we definitely will do it in the Netherlands. But we also want to try in the UK and certain places in the US if we can manage mm. doing it all at the same time. So it's the same product. So, because that's a one-time investment for us is to the game development is what costs the most money. Sure. And then we can work together if we can, especially if we can work together with students and teachers that doesn't cost a lot of money. It just takes, takes efforts and conviction, which I usually have um, <laughs> and, I'm re- and I'm ready for. Uh, so anyway, so upon a successful pilot study in one or more of these countries, then the goal would be to, uh, to get basically the game as a part of the, the as a support tool for one semester initially for this particular one and in the future we could make more we can expand on it we can have more details and nuance on some of the more important topics and we can also localize it so that let's say for example for Ireland it can focus more on Irish history than as a you know as a uh, support tool so it could be used for several semesters this this game. Uh, and for other countries, we could have other languages. We could have other events that are more focused on their countries. Uh, so, and the idea of the distribution would be either through our own team members, or we would work together with, let's say, history book publishers for schools that already mm. have, they already have the market. They already, have, you know, I, I always look for win-win. You know, so sure, that, yeah. That, that's, uh, I think, I don't want to try to kick someone out that already has a position on the market. I'd r- like to work with them, but if they don't want to work with us and we can reach the market anyway, of course, we'll go with that. Uh, so, that, yeah, so those are some of the main elements for how I think we can then become successful. And, of course, we then would like to try to work closely with the players, try to get them excited and host events and tournaments and things like that, which I've also done in the past. That's cool. Yeah, that's that. It's great that there's like a vision for a kind of scholarly setting and how to how to really make the subject matter of history like more accessible. But then there's also a version outside of scholarly settings as well. So even if you're not in school or college or whatever, you can still look up this game and you can still play it and you can still learn more about the the topics in history like in question exactly and actually that's that leads me to one more element which what we're going to try to include it in the pilot project or pilot studies is to try to invite uh, parent groups or leaders of parent groups that can also say okay do you like this you know and do you we, we like to try to see is this something that everyone wants that the kids go through including the kids themselves or young adults um and in addition then okay well maybe you don't go to high school but maybe you're interested anyway and it's available and then it just it's free of charge when you go to school we don't want to mix you know uh, commercial like we want to make money on it but we would sell sure. these cor- courses then release a commercial version where you can you know, in-app purchases and rewarded ads will give you access to extra stuff and things like that. And that's, again, the same that we are 
now working on for a commercial version that doesn't have history as its main focus, but is focusing more on on other topics that are not always covered in this type of games. Yeah, and with a format like this, if you have this platform for story games, you could use it for really, like you could potentially use it for any subjects. The It's kind of like your your own imagination yes. and, and the ability to research is really the only kind of limit on it. Absolutely, and, and that's, again... Uh, of course, we have certain limits as far as the platform goes, as the characters are not moving in the story. Uh, so it's kind of like still graphics. It's more like an advanced digital novel with choices in it and puzzle, connected with puzzle games and stuff like that. So there are certain limitations of what you can do within such a format. But at the same time, we can gradually open up more things. So, so one thing we thought about for Story Games History is we could play sound clips from history. Mm. And like on the Cuban, Cuban Missile Crisis, uh, you had JFK was giving a speech. I just watched a YouTube video earlier today. It's like a three-minute speech where he basically introduces to the English-speaking world what's going on, you know. So we, you could say that, okay, now you unlock that YouTube video clip and we just have that play inside the game, for example. Or yeah. uh, things like that. We could have links to topics if people want to study more about it again it's it's, the the cool thing with the game is that we can always improve on things we can always even replace things that oh we were wrong there or whatever you know Uh, because it's always online Uh, it's not like with a podcast episode you it's not so easy to just like ah let me just oh i was i put in that one thing and that year was wrong no he didn't (laughs) general that year you know um that it's not so easy to do in a podcast episode that has been downloaded by fifty thousand people right yeah but but in our case we can always do that so this is not the flexibility and uh, we can always even add more to uh, to a chapter that was made five years ago and we can say okay but now we add have more features in it and more content or whatever so yeah no that sounds that sounds brilliant I've done lecturing, I've done tutoring like in university before, and they're always talking about like blended learning and and kind of active learning and that it's more than just you telling the students the information they need to engage with it, that kind of thing. So I think this has great potential to kind of bridge that gap between the teacher and the student and give them something to actually do that isn't like an, an essay or like a worksheet or one of those tiresome things you have to give your students to fulfill the curriculum, that kind of thing. It's really, it's a really cool example of like thinking outside the box and, and using the technology that's available to make history in this case more accessible and interesting. Uh, as as you're aware, I've recently done a historical fiction book, uh, Matchlock, and it's it's a whole long series and everything, and I have loads of plans for it. When it comes to something like historical fiction, could the story games formula work for that as well? Absolutely. I mean, that's that's why I contacted you the first time we talked back in January was because I wanted to explore the possibility of, of uh, yeah, maybe uh, doing matchlock at some point in the future. It's, it's that That's something that still would take a bit of time, but I just felt like, because that's how I heard about you in the first place. I, I'm like, oh, yeah, i got to check out this podcast. And then I go, oh, okay, he's been doing this for 10 years and he's one of the most productive <laughs> podcasters I've ever seen. Huh, okay. Uh, then I started listening to your episodes. But anyway, so yeah, with matchlock, uh, I then thought about all kinds of things, like how could that work out 
because it's it's again the 30 years war i think it's super important but the reason why i didn't list it in the 16 chapters that i sent to originally although maybe it will become one of them uh, is that it's not something that changed the world from let's say if you sit in america you don't really mm. see how it changed the world so much like it it definitely changed the power balance in europe right but yeah. it wasn't like almost the turkish and you know invading vienna or something like that or the mongols almost uh, invading all of europe it was europeans fighting each other about things that in the end mostly compromises came out of it and okay some people lost some territory here and some people got stronger there but ultimately it wasn't this where it's totally clear to everyone that everything had changed afterwards so that's yeah. one reason why I didn't put it in this this 16 chapters. But I think it's a it's an extremely important conflict, extremely lethal, and yeah. uh, and I think it's very fascinating. But one needs to give that story proper space. I just think it's a very difficult story to just summarize in the way that I'm thinking for the first version of story games history. But that's why Matchlock could just as well be the best way to do it because you're following an interesting character that ends up being in the middle of all kind of important situations, both diplomatic and combat, right? And that, I think, could be a format which would make it interesting enough that even yeah. people who, who normally wouldn't bother to, because it's so complicated, you know? It's like, it's yeah, how do you get a grasp of what really went on there, you know? That's sure, you, yeah. <laughs> I'm impressed, very impressed with how you managed to do that at such a young age that you managed to... <laughs> Really covered, and I list, I re-listened to those episodes just last week. I know you're doing much more extensive version, and I've listened to parts of that as well. Uh, but I'm just very impressed that you managed to do that. Thank you very much. I mean, I just think I've been a history nerd for as long as I can remember. So all all I ever wanted to do was to dig dig down into into these conflicts and kind of why they happen. That's a good point about the Thirty Years' War, though, as well. I mean, purely because of its length, it's kind of hard to summarize. I would kind of see the Thirty Years' War as like it's like the prequel to the early modern era in a way. All right, Ali. Well, there seems to be an awful lot of potential in this, but I understand you're kind of thinking outside the box as well. You're looking into NFTs, non-fungible tokens, as a way to get people deeper into the experience and also to fundraise as well. Could you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, so people starting to talk started to talk about NFTs, and that's as you say, non-fungible tokens. So it's it's similar to cryptocurrencies, but uh, instead of that, it's a currency. It's basically digital art that's connected to the blockchain in the similar way that cryptocurrencies are. And I'm no expert on it, and I'm not going to bore people who are not interested in the details either on it. But but that's the basic way that they function. So it's something that can be uh, sold as art, and then you own the source code for it that's hooked up to the blockchain. Or it's something that could even have an effect in a certain setting, like, for example, inside a game. So what we're thinking about doing, and I've done a lot, I mean, quite extensive research on this. Uh, There are just first of all to mention for those who think NFTs are all bad. I just want to say I know that there's a lot of scammers out there. Many people who start selling NFTs claiming that they're going to represent a product and then they just raise a certain amount of money and just you never hear from them again. Mm. Um, So that's a bit there's a friend of mine who's really into this. He compared this to there are many scammers out there who have their own website. A lot of scamming websites. It doesn't mean that all websites are bad. There are many mm. websites that are good and they get most of the traffic, especially after a while. This is a new market and it's easy for 
because many people don't know much about it, it's easy for those who are good at scamming to get a lot of people out, a lot of money out of people. So yeah, we, we hope that we're not going to be tainted by that because from my perspective, what really matters is are you going to be able to offer something to customers that could increase in value, uh, that could help the game become better because it increases our fundraising capacity and maybe be developed faster. And is it also something that, yeah, that maybe later on those who invested early could sell those assets for a bit for a higher price and that can be give you some benefits inside the game. So that's the idea from our side is that the, we will offer a certain amount of NFTs and they will cost a typical amount of money for not greedy uh, companies <laughs> offering their art. Uh, they will be hopefully a valuable future a digital asset and they will be something that you can use to get certain benefits inside the game. So that that's the essence of it. It's something we will keep on exploring a bit further, but we're probably going to implement that before the game comes out. And one of the, to, to, what does this mean, you know, to in regards to something that people who don't know what NFTs are actually can relate to. So let's say you could own certain characters and character expressions let's say specific ones for gustavus adolphus or you know david lloyd george or you know we draw them and then yeah. cert certain amount of people can own that asset nobody else can own it and then you can use it in the game you can use it as a profile picture you could sell it to somebody else uh, it could be the same in match lock you know let's say somebody sure. owns, somebody owns some of the key match lock characters and or character or expressions or horses or whatever and then that's theirs you know and they can you know nobody else can have that as their profile picture or avatar uh such such things so um clarifies a bit yeah the idea yeah it does yeah i think it's even a bit clearer for me after that it makes a bit more sense it'd be kind of cool to be selling the the matchlocks face and then uh, use that yeah that'd be cool so and just, just just imagine let's say okay we we need a certain amount of money to make the first few episodes of Matchlock for story games sure. as a historical fiction novel. And then we say, okay, we need this much money. Um, and let's say we have investors who say, okay, we're going to put up half of it if you can sell half of it as NFTs first. Right. So then we, okay, we go out and it's a little bit like uh, Indiegogo campaigns where it's like, well, okay, we're going to reach this target and go out and sell this but the difference is that you don't actually own something afterwards if you participate in the in contributing as mm. while in in indiegogo you could maybe own some asset in the game or something but you can't really sell it to anybody else or increase it in value so yeah right okay okay yeah that, that does make sense i mean it sounds like there there is so many like there's so much potential here, and I think your your vision for story games is really fantastic, and I'm really excited about it, and I'm really excited to work with you as well, and I can't wait to let my listeners know when there's more kind of bigger news as well down the line. But in, in the meantime, while we're both kind of cooperating on this, there's obviously space for people who have expertise in any of, of these areas to kind of get in touch. Is there anything in particular from people that you might be looking for? Say people are hearing us talk right now and they think that they might be interested. I'm I'm very open, especially because this is a, it's not a brand new concept, but it is a, it is a concept still under development. So if there are people who feel like they can contribute on 
any level, any serious level, of course, uh, that would be interesting. We're, we're working on raising uh, bigger amounts of money from investors and things like that. So that's that's one one aspect of it. Uh, but uh, as far as de- historians or historical details go, it would be great if there are people who would like to contribute either to when it comes to kind of facts on some level or on the visual level, where we're going to try to make sure that we have proper uh, graphics. So meaning what kind of armors were people wearing in that particular world? What did they look like? Because we're not experts on all of that stuff, you know? Yeah, the, or, the aesthetics like of the era. Exactly. Yeah. So anyway, if there's someone who just find, finds this to be interesting and would like to kind of get in early and be be a part and who really feel like they, they got something to contribute, that would be really exciting. Uh, and also, let's say, if someone knows someone else who they would like to introduce me to or you to, Zach, that they think could be important, whether it's somebody who could help us with the as a story writer, like a famous podcaster or something, or if it's someone else with expertise that relates to games or NFTs or, yeah, anything that you've heard on this podcast about the educational industry, you know, like somebody yeah. who, uh, who knows uh, some researcher or cutting edge history teacher in high school that they think could be super interested or at least potentially interested in being involved in a pilot project like this then please reach out. Sure. Well, I think I can volunteer my email address here for the podcast. If people want to email wdfpodcast at hotmail.com and use the subject story games history, then I will forward that, forward that on to uh, Ole here and or Ali. <laughs> I'll forward that on. To, I'll forward that on to Ali, and we can we can work from there. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing what people. Uh, contribute because it's amazing that you kind of forget sometimes when you're putting these episodes out just how broadly talented the listeners are so it's very exciting to see what 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 people can can come forward with yeah no that's that's one thing i see with I, like i'm amazed with the different uh, podcasters that are here on on i mean on your podcast the ones that you're collaborating with and that i didn't listen to and like wow this this history podcast has existed since many years and it's brilliant you know and i have like the, those are surely also listening to your episodes right so yeah yeah and so if somebody wants to have me on their podcast or they want to have sack and me on their podcast about this topic at least in my case i don't know about you but i'll be happy to um, sure yeah for sure yeah cool that'll be great well ali thank you so much for coming on uh when diplomacy fails here it's been great to have you and to hear this really exciting project that you're working on and that we'll soon be working on together i mean i'm i'm honored i'm a big fan of your podcast i think you're really one of the outstanding ones out there and uh yeah, it's uh, yeah, absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Cheers, Ali. Thank you so much. Okay, history friends. I hope you enjoyed that, and I hope you enjoyed getting to know more about story games history. Again, if you want to be of some use to Ollie and Story Games History, if you want to offer your expertise or your knowledge or you just want to lend a hand in some way, then email me, wdfpodcast.hotmail.com and using the subject Story Games History. That would really help, well, it would help both of us really because I'd love to see this succeed. 
bet you couldn't tell from the fact that I used the words exciting about 73 times in my opening monologue there. But yeah, I hope this has opened your eyes a little bit to the possibilities out there for technology and for learning and for making history more accessible. Because that's what we're all about here at When Diplomacy Fails. Anyway, thanks so much for listening, guys. Take care, and I'll be seeing you all soon. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. 